Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Support for this podcast is provided by Subtruck Law. Revolution Recap thanks Subtruck Law for their support of our show local independent media, and their mission of bringing unbiased truth. Revolution Recap would also like to thank Six Point Builders for their support. Six Point Builders are builders of fine, custom homes in the Boston metropolitan area. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Revolution Recap. We have a special episode for you today. Not much happening in Revsland right now outside of some preseason games. So while we're still waiting for the regular season to, to kick off, uh, we thought it'd be a good time to talk about the other team in the area, Rhode Island FC. And we brought in two experts to kind of preview their season. Uh, a lot of exciting things going on down there in Smithfield uh, at Bryant University, and they're scheduled to kick off in March. So uh, we have some conversation about RIFC because I know a lot of fans are looking forward to following both the Revs and RIFC this season. Uh, before we get into it, there is one piece of news that I do just want to touch on real quick. Dewan Jones signed a four-year contract extension. He has signed through 2027. Not a lot to talk about. I wish we had more news to kind of talk about to do a full podcast, but that's ha- that's really been the only piece of news since the last time we spoke, so I thought it would be worth mentioning here just so you are informed uh, in case you are also off the grid for the time being. And before we get to the interview, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Bet Online. It's playoff time, and the usual suspects are headed to Vegas for the championship, and our partner, Bet Online is your number one source for football odds, stats, trends, and lines. With everything from point spreads to hundreds of bets on everything from the coin toss to the color of Gatorade, BetOnline is your number one source for your championship wagering. So head to BetOnline and join today to get in on all the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. And if you are looking forward to tailing or fading me, I will leave it up for you to decide, but I'm going to be on the Kansas City Chiefs this weekend to go back-to-back, and it'll be quite insufferable. So, uh, But what's not insufferable is this interview coming up that we'll get to right now. And joining me now on Revolution Recap, we have a couple of RIFC experts. Uh, First, Irvin Vargas, president of the Defiance. Uh, Irvin, how are you doing? Uh, Tell me and all of our listeners how you became a soccer fan and how you became head of Defiance 1636. Yeah, gladly. Uh, So I've been a soccer fan for all my life, ever since I was uh, uh, born. My my father uh, took me to games very, very young. You know, my first soccer game was, you know, Gladly enough, it was the revolution on a snowy day with my uncle. And uh, we didn't even get to stay for the full game. But after that, I was hooked. Uh, I loved it. Uh, I've been watching soccer, you know, even when it's not the revolution. It was international soccer. My uh, father even played in Guatemala. So I was a big fan of Deportivo Zacapa. So that was my hometown um, team. But ever since then, I played and played throughout middle school and high school. Didn't play a lot in college, but I just loved the game. And, uh, you know, ever since uh, it was announced that the team was going to be coming to Rhode Island, uh, you know, it was me and Joe Samayoa. You know, we're both uh, native Guatemalans, and uh, we just thought, hey, why don't we just start it ourselves and 
get it going and really show people the passion of Central American, South American soccer style of, uh, you know, running a supporter group. So that's basically like a, a rundown of like uh, how I got into it and why I decided to be the head of this group. We just want to, you know, bring that type of culture to uh, an area where we know the culture is uh, still thriving. So you're defecting from the revolution to go over to RIFC. That's what I'm hearing. You know, it, it I've uh, I've always said that, you know, my hometown will always have will always have my heart first. So, you know, it's not really much defective. It's more so, uh, you know, I'm a 401 till I die. So, you know. Well, and, and where does the name come from Defiance 1636? Obviously, that ties to the Rhode Island, correct? Yeah, correct. So, I mean, in short, short answer is that, you know, Defiance really comes from defy the odds. You know, as a little state, uh, we're always known as, you know, the not known for anything besides just being a small state and I guess family guy. So, <laughs> so, uh, you know, we want to defy the odds and show people, you know, that we are, uh, defy all odds. So big thing about it too, is, you know, a lot of downers have been telling us that the stadium will never come. This team will never become a thing. Well, guess what? We're defying the odds now. Stadiums being up, 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 up. And the team is going up, 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 up. And, you know, that's a little uh, middle finger to all the haters. And, uh, 1636 is of course history towards, you know, the, uh, the founding of Rhode Island by a good old Roger Williams, which is a, you know, a park that we all know and love and go to as Rhode Islanders. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to the stadium later because I have a lot of questions for you guys on that one. But uh, one other thing, too, uh, you mentioned you're a Revolution fan. You've gone to RFC. First off, my, my, my first question about Defiance is uh, how many members do you guys have? I mean, you haven't even started the, the, the first season. You haven't even played a game yet. And it seems like you already have a strong supporter group, uh, very united, very active. It seems like uh, even in the off season with not a ton to do. Uh, I'm curious how many members you have and uh, is it a good mix of Revs fans and non-Revs fans? Uh, where are these supporters coming from? Yeah. I mean, so these are all, Rhode Island guys. I mean, guys and girls, um, you know, we uh, started selling our memberships uh, December 4th, which was the same day that the kits were released. So we were there. We uh, we had a good old fashioned party. We were there with our banners, our drums. We lit off some smokes. We lit off some flares to kind of celebrate. And uh, that same morning when we uh, launched at 10 in the morning, we ended up getting a good 65 members. And then from now to well from then to now we're at literally we're at about 100 plus wow so being so like you know we're at we're at a good level and we still want to grow but the fact that you know we have such a strong fan base of fans that want to be a part of the supporter culture of la barra brava that we want to make up to um they're they're excited that what we have to share and i think that's what drew a lot of people to us and you know the numbers keeps growing you know we're, uh, we're very happy we're excited and uh can't wait for that first game because uh, we're sure we're sure as hell gonna show a lot of people what we're made of well and i wanted to have you guys on uh we we've done a couple of rifc uh adjacent podcasts in the past uh we had on brett johnson a few years ago we had Kano smith on uh last year uh, and we've gotten some good response from that i think there are a lot of revolution fans that are also looking to support rhode island fc so if they're looking to join defiance uh urban how would they do that and where can they find you on social media get involved in the conversation get involved with your organization uh, just because i know there's going to be some listeners uh, that are going to be very very interested yeah yeah we're very open uh you know uh, our group already has a lot of members outside of Rhode Island. It's not just for the uh, the beautiful roadie. Uh, we have a lot of members from Massachusetts, Columbus, uh, Orange County, which is surprising with the USL team there. 
Um, but yeah, they can, anybody can join. You can go to our website, ridefiance1636.org, or if you guys want to check us out on our social media to see what we're up to and, you know, get a taste of what we're doing, you know, we're always at ridefiance1636. That's uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, threads. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's the best way to do it. And of course, if you want to really join the community, uh, you know, get on our discord, which is open to the public. Uh, Revolution recap has a massive following on threads. So you and I will have the, uh, you know, all of the soccer fans on threads. <laughs> we following defiance and revolution yeah. recap. One other thing to uh, urban, uh, is there any events coming up uh, that the the supporter group has planned? I know you guys were very busy in the fall. Maybe you can talk about that. But is there anything that uh, your supporters are looking to do in the near future that people uh, can can join up with you at? Yeah, yeah. We have one event that we're going to be doing before the uh, the season starts. It's going to be at Mar uh, March 2nd. We're still trying to finalize the times. But, of course, that's when uh, you get on our social medias and, of course, our Discord to keep on top of that. But March 2nd, we're going to be at the Guild in Pawtucket to celebrate our uh, official home for the season at their, um, their, their fine brewery. And uh, we're all going to be hanging out, uh, members, non-members. And if that's a good chance to meet a couple of us, say hello to a lot of our board members. And of course, just to see what we are. And of course, you know, sing and chant. We're going to be bringing all of our drums. We're going to be bringing all of the, uh, the festivities, all of our banners. And uh, just to give a chance of like a list, a small taste of how away days might look like. And of course, how home games are going to feel like. Uh, just get that camaraderie going again and, uh, you know, drink some beers, have some fun. Um, you know, all that stuff, you know. Beer and soccer. What could be better, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, we do have another guest here too. Uh, I don't want to completely shun him from the conversation, but uh, <laughs> we, we've covered kind of the supporter group side of things. I do want to get into RIFC media. In theory, there's an RIFC recap that I do on the side, uh, but we're not going to be able to do that. But there is another podcast that if you're looking to follow Rhode Island FC, uh, you have to listen to. Uh, and I have Matt and Tricken with us uh, from Raising Anchor. Matt, did I get, I think I screwed up your name, didn't I? I hey, worked on it beforehand. Listen, you get one pass. So that was, you spent it and we'll try again uh, when I have you on, on Raising Anchor and, and we'll go from there. You know, not everyone has a, an easier name with the right syllables and the right pronunciations like you, Greg. So we, we, we try and we try again. So we'll, we'll get there. Well, I've been called Greg Johnston and, John. you know, I, I've been called that a million times. Uh, and you'd think John Stone, um, you know, since it's literally two very common word, a name and a very common word, you'd think that would be very easy to piece together. Uh, and people it's, still the screw up. it's the age. It's throwing everyone off. That's the problem. Yes. Uh, and everyone knows I'm phonetically challenged. Uh, that's listening to this <laughs> podcast. I think our old time listeners will remember uh, me talking about uh, the Rev signing Carlos Gill uh, when uh, when he came out uh, in, in 2019. So it took me a while. It, it, you know, I get one pass. I get a couple of passes. But Matt, uh, you are a co-host on Raising Anchor. Uh, I believe you're up to how many episodes you have to i know it was posted this morning you're around 30 episodes at this point correct technically with the ones that we haven't been able to post for technical difficulties or had to pull last minute we're, we're above 30 but right now we're at officially 28 so yeah and which is crazy because uh you're still able to put out some really good conversation and the team hasn't even kicked off yet i text sean uh you know two or three times a week saying do we have enough for a, a new podcast and there's nothing going on with the revs so I, I, we've kind of been in limbo uh but you guys are still finding ways to churn out more and more content so uh it, it's been really great to listen to you guys and get excited for the uh, expansion season uh my, my first question though is well similar to Irvin, uh, how did you become into soccer? How did you get involved? What's your soccer fandom journey? Uh, and secondly, why on earth would you want to do a podcast about soccer? It seems like something that you'd have to be really sick in the head to do. So how did you end up doing that as well? So great, great questions. Uh, the first one is 
is really interesting. I I actually started not loving soccer. Uh, I was a baseball guy growing up, played it uh, up through my collegiate time, and uh, soccer just never really sparked anything. And then after uh, I got hurt in uh, a baseball season, I decided to do a study abroad in Australia. So this is back to 2006. Um, so don't don't date me too terribly here, but. Uh, in 2006, I did some time in uni there, and I fell in love. And when I fell in love, I decided to stick around and see what, what Australia had outside of the, the school time. And that was right when the World Cup was happening. And for those of you that uh, remember that World Cup, um, that was one of Australia's deepest pushes uh, into competitive play. And they made it all the way to the round of 16, where they played against, at the time, uh, Italy, who went on to win that World Cup. And they were slated as the underdogs. They weren't going to survive, let alone be competitive in the match. And the game was one of the best games to this day I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, The the game went to basically a stalemate up until a red card for Italy. And then they uh, finally converted a very challenging uh, or still to this day debated red card or excuse me, a penalty in the box against Australia. And then, of course, Italy went on to beat the favorites of Germany and win the entire thing. So, so my introduction to soccer was a a violent, uh, just waterboarding from from a hose of just experiencing soccer, experiencing it from the community and the fans. You know, you talk about America's opportunities with understanding like how we're gravitating and and getting you know more comfortable with the sport, both both domestically and internationally. I, I know there was an article recently in the, the Athletic that would probably uh, have some people scratching their heads. But when you go to another country and watch soccer, it it is a community-driven, dynamic uh, experience. So that's how I got started. That's where the itch kind of came to be. But then I didn't really pick it back up for quite a few years because I came back home and, surprise, not a lot of people I knew, not a lot of people were uh, interested in following the sport. MLS was still kind of trying to get their their roots. And it wasn't until I met my co-host, Jason Carey, uh, as we were, as we crossed paths and he introduced me to MLS and I, I didn't really buy in at the time, but we were both conveniently in the same space at the same time. And I, I think you'll get a kick out of this. My first MLS game was the 2014 MLS cup final LA galaxy versus new England revolution. So hilarious. yeah, that's great. It's hilarious. Thank I you would... for bringing that up. Thank <laughs> you. Hey, listen, I, I don't want to bring up bad blood. I, I, especially on this podcast of all things, but I will tell you as a person who'd only watched knockout soccer so far, I thought that that was what MLS would be for every game. Right. So like my expectations coming into to both the league and to American soccer were just incredibly high. So it's been nothing but a roller coaster ride ever since. And uh, I've just decided eventually it's like, Hey, how can I get really crazy? And, you know, you asked about the podcast thing. I think, I think every guy and, and, you know, there's probably uh, gals out there too, who, who think this, but they have two thoughts in their lifetime. One, they should start a bar and have some sort of clever name, or they should start a podcast. And I'll tell you now, podcasts are a lot cheaper to run than a bar so that's where Jason and I landed. And the soccer part was easy, though, to be honest. You know, I, I think a good podcast has to be something you can wake up and do consistently every week or whatever your your threshold of frequency is. And, you know, we often talk on ours that the main character isn't us, right? We're, we're just guides or stewards. It's the soccer content. And we don't even have soccer yet. And we're still finding ways to to pull teeth from whether that's club news where we need to get exclusives or just 
find information on how the club is impacting the likes of the supporters group or the community. And it's it's just been a wild ride so far. And we're just really excited to finally get to start playing some games here soon. Well, let's get to RIFC. Well, actually, wait, one more thing, Matt. People aren't going to go back and listen to 25, 30 episodes. Maybe they will. That'd be great. But for our, our uh, new revs to RIFC fan conversions that are going to look up your uh, podcast, what are some highlights of your show? What are some episodes that you think they should go back uh, and listen to uh, before the season starts so they can get ready for RIFC? Yeah, and conversions, no, additions. But this is all in addition to, yes, right? Additions. We want fans of both. But yes. um, I would definitely say, especially for the Revs faithful, we've got some amazing content where we've had the chance to do uh, a few exclusive interviews so far now. So we have a really great, uh, it's almost two hours uh, long interview with with Coach Kano Smith, you know, alumni to the Revs, as well as Michael Parkhurst. So there's there's two great perspectives from those two individuals one is more on the founding and the ownership aspect, and then Kano deep dives into kind of the strategy uh, that he was looking to build before the, the first announced player had even happened. There's also a Brett Louie, which is the president of Rhode Island FC, uh, and he gives a really good perspective on the take of where the direction he's trying to take the club. And he comes from the league. Uh, historically, he had been a USL vice president of operations. So those are three great insights from people much better suited to talk about Rhode Island FC. Um, so that was the, definitely the place to start. And then if you're looking kind of for where Jason and I shine, honestly, we're just kind of starting to get into our groove over these last three episodes. So if you want to go back and look at the the golden signing pod, which is where we talk a lot about our recent signing of MVP, Albert Dequa or Chico, as he prefers to go by, uh, that's what I think is some of our best content that we've put out so far. And I'll skip ahead a little bit. I want to talk about some of these big signings that RIFC has made. And I'll bring, Irvin, I'll bring you back in here too. But I think a lot of people think expansion team, you know, just kind of a first year type of thing. I remember St. Louis ended up being a very good team last year, but I remember their uh, GM saying they don't believe in designated players. They believe in a designated team, which was basically their way of saying we're not going to spend money. So I think a lot of people, when you think of an expansion (laughs) team, you think of a team that is really just kind of rolling the ball out there and the excitement's going to get them by. And, you know, you're just kind of hoping for some respectable results but rfc is really kind of putting themselves out there and really kind of setting expectations high you mentioned dequa uh he was the usl golden boot winner with pittsburgh last year uh they made a ton of other signings Irvin, i'll I'll start with you uh who are some players you're excited to look for and do you think rfc is setting the bar that trophies are a realistic expectation in year one yeah i mean so from what i've seen so far and you know matt can definitely go more in depth of this like you know it, it it is um pretty much showing USL that, you know, this is how you run an expansion team. If you want to go in and win silverware, uh, you have to spend the money. And this is something that I've said many, many times when it comes to soccer. I mean, if you look at European soccer, South American soccer, uh, it's the guys with the most money that will do the the most damage. Uh, And and that shows for even expansion teams. You know, it it took a while for a lot of MLS expansion teams to kind of figure that out. I mean, you know, St. Louis ended up being, you know, a great example of like, man, maybe you don't have to spend too much money. But that is like a small percentage of like after after that, it's like, look at all the other expansion teams. It took them a while to actually get their feet going. So, you know, for for us, it just shows that, you know, we have a we have a we have a strong front office. We have a strong coaching staff. We have strong players. You know, I'm, I'm excited for Chico. I'm excited for JJ Williams. I'm excited for Coke Vega. Uh, I'm excited for just a lot of these players that are coming in. And honestly, we're just uh, we're just excited to see what that first year is going to be, because I, I feel that, you know, with all this pressure that everybody has on the club to perform well, you know, that as a fan, we're going to give them that same pressure as well. We're going to give them everything we got. And if they don't perform, you know, 
it is uh it's gonna, i don't know what's gonna happen you know but in the, we're still gonna love our club but in the end of the day we're gonna we're gonna give them the criticism that they deserve and uh, when they do good to us we're gonna show them all the love we can i thought for a minute you're gonna call for heads you're like and no, if, no, no, they no. Don't, <laughs> if they don't i saw i, I it's too well, early for heads <laughs> Well, you do. I do want to uh, kind of highlight the two guys you mentioned. Uh, JJ Williams. He scored double-digit goals uh, with uh, Tampa Bay last year uh, and Coke Vegas. Uh, he played for uh, San Diego Loyal, correct? Uh, the now defunct San Diego Loyal, I believe. Uh, but uh, he was their first, the Rhode Island FC's first signing um, in team history. Uh, both kind of some signings that have. Um, well, actually, I believe JJ Williams was a trade, but either way, both kind of some key players you can look forward to. Uh, Matt, uh, who else should should fans be aware of uh, going into this RIFC season? Uh, what what other players do you have has kind of turned your head uh, going into the year one? Yeah, so uh, besides the ones that uh, Irvin already commented on, I would say the ones to watch are international pickup Mark Doyle. Uh, he comes from a league in Ireland where you know he dominated uh they just won the title right before he uh was acquired and joined Rhode Island FC so that's going to be something exciting you'll you'll anticipate seeing a lot of kind of goals coming his way uh in the near future and then if i were to kind of tackle on some other ones i would say the the really interesting pieces that will tie together the team definitely be looking forward to Stephen Turnbull he's a new york uh, City FC or New York City FC too, depending on how much playing time you calculate from him. But he's an MLS veteran, nevertheless, and he's really going to be a dynamic player as a wingback. Uh, that's one of Coach's familiar roles as a player himself. And based on the style of play and the formations that he's looking to build, a lot of that possession-based attack is going to be generated and started from those wings and the, the outside backs. So Stephen Turnbull is definitely going to be a, a key piece. Uh, to the to the unlock of of defenses and, and opponents and then finally the, the most interesting thing that i'll be watching through the rest of the season will be really understanding how uh prince sadie and um connor mcglynn uh, integrate into the team you know we can talk all the time in soccer transactions when you're able to take players from your conference rivals but in this particular case coach went out and took two players from our immediate uh now building derby competition in Hartford Athletic and not only did he take those two players but they were both players of quality in a team that struggled last season to really kind of earn itself any any place on the game day uh roster and and in the in the stands so I, I'm really excited about those two players because I think they're going to show up and prove that you know they can in a system that works really be productive players and and put the things in place that need to happen for a team to be successful on the pitch and McGlynn fan favorite in Hartford uh, but I, I do want to point out Revs fans if Prince Saidi sounds familiar you remember him from the U.S. Open game uh, cup U.S. Open cup game against Hartford last year uh, where he played phenomenally against the Revs and really showed out so a very exciting signing for uh, RIFC and I also want to give one more shout out too I don't I, I maybe one of you guys mentioned it but uh, Noah Fusan I think I'm saying that correct again phonetically challenged I may be mispronouncing that uh, but he just came off of a phenomenal season uh, for Columbus Crew 2 Columbus Crew 2 has been one of the best teams in MLS Next Pro for a long long time I believe he scored double digits for them as well so uh, goal scores all over the place for Rhode Island FC there's not going to be many nil-nil draws uh, in Smithfield this year. Uh, and speaking of that, I do want to talk about the stadium. You know, you and I were very similar. We both have stadium issues. We both have to wait for our soccer stadium. Uh, you guys, I think yours will arrive a little bit sooner than ours, but uh, year one is going to be at the Bryant University. Irvin, what's your thoughts about Bryant University? For, for, I, I 
believe you guys are going to have a supporter section somewhere. Um, but can you tell me uh, how you feel about Bryant University? You think the team is going to be able to pull it off? Yeah, I mean, so thankfully, you know, as the year you know took place in 2023, us, uh, you know, getting the supporter group started, you know, we thought, you know, what would be a best way to practice and get more recruits than maybe a college tour? So we did do a college tour uh, and, you know, a lot of what we did was just trying to see how it would feel. Lucky enough, you know, Bryant went up against a, a lot of uh, teams that we were like, let's go check it out. You know, non-Rhode Island teams. So the first stop at that tour was against a, a Connecticut team, lucky enough. So we brought the heat. We brought a lot of people in. We brought our smokes. We brought our flags. And, you know, Bryant was very accommodating with that. They really enjoyed that uh, feel. Even the security guards were like, man, this is really cool. Uh, so it was it was a nice taste of um, how it's going to look like for Bryant when we uh, when we arrive. I mean, we're not going to be on you know on the side of where they put us, but more behind the goal. But I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. I think a stadium like that will bring that intimacy that a lot of people enjoy when it comes to U.S. Open games. I know a lot of Revolution fans remember going to you know when the U.S. Opens were at college stadiums. They they enjoyed them. They loved them, especially when they came to Rhode Island. Um, you know, I remember the, I remember going to see them play against the Rhinos for U.S. Open. That was a while ago. That was when the Rhinos were still a thing. And it was at PC. And, and a lot of people still remember that as like a really fun environment. So seeing that, seeing that and on top of us being at Bryant, I, I feel like, you know, people might be upset because the stadium's not here. They want that shiny new stadium. But I feel like, you know, give it some time. Let the let the process run its course. And, you know, 2025 will arrive anytime sooner because we're going to be so infatuated of how much fun we're going to be having at Bryant. We might end up missing it when we leave. Honestly, that's what I keep telling people, you know, 5,225 seats that they're already looking to, they're already looking like that home opener is going to be sell out pretty quickly and it will be tough for anybody to get a ticket there. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited. People are without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We're excited, so I think that um, this is a good chance to kind of give people experience that they're, they're going to want. They're going to want to be there. Yeah. Just to let you know, speaking from experience, you won't miss Bryant. Uh, Matt, <laughs> Matt yeah. any, anything to add on to uh, Bryant and the stadium situation in general? Listen, at the end of the day, it's not going to come down to the stadium. Fans are going to show up. It's it's the same. It's the same kind of purpose or planning that went into strategically opening a, a USL or Division two club this close to the New England Revolution playing only 30 minutes further north, right? It's going to come down to the product on the field, not the field itself. And I think the club is positioning themselves and they're very hyper aware of that fact. Um, Bryant is a, is a moment in time, right? There's going to be some nuance. There's going to be some inconvenience, whether that's in the infrastructure or the temporariness of it. Of course, we're sharing a home where we're basically renting in someone's uh, house. So there, there will be those components that you just you just can't shake. And so where you have to thrive or exceed expectations then is is on the pitch with the on-field performance. And I, I say all that with the mindset, though, that for what the club is facing, 
they're doing a phenomenal job. It, you know, the staffing and kind of the more behind the scenes stuff, the people that they've brought on board from an operations perspective, they all have experience in these kinds of transitions. So big uh, shout out to Paul Byrne, who's the stadium general manager for both for both Bryant and for Tidewater, where they'll be landing next season. Uh, Paul's very familiar with having to make transition uh, stadium requirements. He actually set up the Houston Dynamo when they were in a position of they first landed after, you know, moving from the San Jose earthquakes to becoming the Dynamo. They were in a transitory period themselves, and he worked through all of that. So in my opinion, while we don't know all the details and we, we may not see some of that till the first game day, it's it's in good hands there's professionals that have done this kind of specific work before and and i think they're set up for success so i'm just excited to finally get to play as like i said earlier as someone who's had to cover this team with no games played i just i just want to see the ball get kicked at this point (laughs) yeah um it's kind of interesting too because i i feel like you guys have had this long build up i feel like there's even more anticipation because you got you've done such a good job covering the team and Irvin, you guys have done such a good job uh building excitement around the team uh it feels like the longest off season ever because i feel like i was interacting with you guys back in may and june and talking rfc with you guys there's a a real uh i don't know feeling of uh, getting at it whereas i think with the revs i think we're still recovering uh, from this past off season which reminds me Irvin, i gotta be honest with you apparently we have a bet going that uh who the revs will win i'm gonna talk about that (laughs) The Rebs, so I, I apparently, I don't know if I was drunk. I don't know why I agreed to this. I don't know why I'd ever think this, but apparently I made a bet with you that uh, if uh, the Revs win MLS Cup, I win. If uh, RIFC wins USL Cup, you win. I think this must have been before any signings. I don't know what I was thinking with this bet. Uh, I but- Yeah, it was definitely before signings because I remember I think the only signing that was up was like Coke Vega and... You know, I, I, you know, as Twitter goes, you know, they were saying like, oh, they're already starting off with a reje- reject from Europe. It's like, ooh. But then as progression goes, I feel like your smile, and I, I know for a fact you were drunk because it was when you had that, uh, I know you were drunk. I know you were drunk. Exactly. I was like, este borracho. He, um, you definitely were drunk because it was on a Twitter space and it was with all those, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Unrevolution fans that yeah. we all know and fair. love. To be yeah. fair, as as an unbiased outside judge here, do you blame Greg? I mean, let's get no, on. No, that's fine. The end that's of the fine. season for the Revolution last year is not something I think we need to rehash. I don't. <laughs> I don't blame Greg for any of his decisions at this point. That's fine. That's fine. I yeah. I just I had I had confidence. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna put my money where my mouth is, and it wasn't even that much money. I just gotta buy you a steak dinner. <laughs> you gotta buy me steak dinner. So that's the bet. If if uh, if whoever wins the league first has to buy each other steak dinner, and you. It, it, it's vice versa. I have to go to you in, in what in Philadelphia. Yeah, and you have to come to Rhode Island if if you if you win. Yeah, I'll make it a. I'll, I'll find I'll find a nearby USL game that we can uh, go see. Pittsburgh's too far, but we'll figure I, I out something. Yeah. We'll, maybe we'll, I'll we'll meet you in Hartford. Up. Yeah, we'll, we'll make figure it out. Spoken like a true Philadelphian. Pittsburgh is too far. That's <laughs> <laughs> too far. So all the way across, this, it's basically a different time zone. No. Um. Well, let you know. Uh, Matt, I'll go to you. I need RAFC. I don't want to owe Urban a stake. So uh, tell me, who are the biggest competitors? Too late, in your... too late. <laughs> who are the biggest competitors that's going to stop this? Uh, who in the Eastern Conference should RAFC slash Revs fans be worried about? Uh, and why is it Hartford Athletic? <laughs> I don't know if it's Hartford Athletic anymore, actually. After, if you guys want to listen to the most recent podcast on my side of things, uh, I we may have that number already. But uh, I will say this just to kind of give 
uh, listeners who maybe aren't as familiar with the USL, it's always a very difficult exercise to predict when it comes to the the powers that be and in conference com- competition. And the reason I say that is, is that a lot of these teams, based on budget constraints and salaries, you know, we don't see deep contracts where a majority of the players are, you know, a continuation of the prior season. That's a very rare thing to happen. Uh, of course, some players do get picked up and, and brought over. But as you've seen, we've constructed a team that's primarily USL veterans and good USL players at that where those clubs definitely didn't want to lose that talent. So I wouldn't say that it's too early to make those predictions. There's obviously the likes of certain teams that always show up big. So the Pittsburgh Riverhounds are a team to always kind of monitor and and see where they're at in the, in the table. Tampa Bay Rowdies are also another great team in the East that show up for the big games and are a threat at the you know one through four positions within the Eastern Conference. Historically, though, in the last year or two, as, as we've kind of learned and integrated into the league, a lot of the threats in the competition has come from the Western Conference, though. So you have your Sacramento Republics, your San Antonio FCs, uh, even the likes of OCSC and, and champions of last season, uh, Phoenix Rising. So a lot of the threats will come in those one-off games that come, uh, whether home or away, in, in the 2024 landscape. But Hartford is an interesting one because... Not to to punch down here for a second, but Hartford did not have a good season last year, and they've gone under a complete rebranded, you know, retooling, if you will, of their entire roster, of their entire management, of their of their entire technical and front office groups. So, in a lot of ways, they're almost building a team that's brand new, the same way we are. Um, there's been some some competitions and some exchanges so far. I, I don't think Hartford is someone that we need to concern ourselves with just yet, but games will like teams like this will always show up big when it matters. So when it comes to the derbies that are coming down the road, I imagine that those will be some of the best soccer matches you can watch in new England, just because there's a higher stake involved when it comes to the quote unquote champion of division two soccer within the, within the region. And you're you're underscoring it. Everything went wrong for Hartford last year. Uh, it was I'm trying uh, to be uh, nice. I'm no, 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 no. Why are you nice? Why are you being nice? Why? Why? So, <laughs> Don't give him nice. No. So this this is a this is a true story because the the blazing musket has uh, Nate who covers uh, Hartford Athletics. So we have a chat going, and he would give the heads up whenever Hartford was in a tie game in the 80th minute or later, and I would always live bet the opponent, and I can't tell you how many of those bets hit. I mean, it must have been. Uh, over, I mean, I hit plus money betting against Hartford Athletic all season long. It was beautiful. Uh, so, but uh, yeah, they they had a very rough season. Tab Ramos did not have a great, uh, great, great end down there in Hartford, and they are. Uh, all, it's almost like rebooting. Uh, they're they're really starting at square one. But you're right. I don't think they're making the same splash the uh, MFC is. So, uh, one other thing too, I'm going to spring on you guys. I know USL has been talking about Pro Rel. Uh, potentially coming someday. Uh, oh, I'm getting a laugh from Matt. I was going to go to Irvin first. Matt, you, you have a you have a thought about pro rally. Do you think it's realistic, and would you support it? I'm only laughing because 12 to 14 months ago, pro rail wasn't even on my radar. I mean, I knew what it was, obviously, from watching uh, every other soccer match in the world, but it was just something that was so alien to American sports. And after now joining and covering a USL club, it's it's the conversation I have to talk about the most. So not no disrespect to you asking the question. It's just more of a, I, I just laugh every time yeah. it gets asked to be fair to people that have not been a part of the conversation. Listen, pro rail at the entire soccer pyramid, it's never going to happen, right? There's too much financial investment that MLS owners, MLS clubs, 
uh, geography wise, the, the, you know, when you have a $500 million buy-in to get into MLS at this point, you're not going to throw it away because some team in Tulsa knocked you out of, of MLS competition. That that's just unrealistic. Well, but Sorry, but I, I kind of meant more along the lines. I know USL has been talking about USL Championship, USL League One potentially doing some pro rel in there. Would you? Uh, right. Along so those yeah, lines? That's, I know. That's I'm, I'm, you got MLS. I promise. No, no. I promise. Yeah, yeah. No, I promise. So okay. I think it's important though, right, for the narrative because you have to start with a total pyramid and then say, okay, is that reasonable? So going into the USL specific part, that's the part that really differentiates and makes makes the most sense. Right now, the league isn't a single entity like the MLS. That every owner has their own privileges, their own rights, their own spends that they're allowed to play. So it's much more like a traditional uh, team in any other league. That being said, USL is getting to a point very similar to MLS where expansion fees are on the rise, right? It's not the $500,000 and a bag of beans that it was maybe in 2014. They're starting to see some tangible investments as a requirement to enter USL competition. I think it's up to 15, maybe $20 million now. So as the league continues to siphon those dollars in in allocation, they're starting to go in the same route that MLS did. And so the league has to be really careful. They have to make this decision if they're going to do it in the next probably 12 to 24 months, because after that, it won't be sustainable. But they are perfectly positioned right now to pull the trigger on that, because all of the league uh, in not just the championship, but like you said, USL one, USL two and the rest of the amateur and, and regional division uh components of it they're all under one entity still with the usl so they can basically create as many tiers as they need to satisfy that ladder movement of pro rel but they have to make those decisions and then stop allowing clubs that say hey like we have interest in new orleans or we have interest in wyoming to put a usl club they're going to have to start quickly understanding like if you want to come in the league it's going to need to come at a lower tier and you'll have to work your way through maybe the entrance fees are still the same so that it can fund the rest of the teams that will get knocked up or down respectively it's very viable but if they're going to do it they have to do it now or never because if they don't it'll be too late it'll be too expensive and then there's those rumors that mls with next pro might try to do something them themselves and at that point you lose all differentiation Irvin, anything you want to add? Are you pro pro rel? Do you think it's ever going to happen? What are your of thoughts? Of course, I'm pro pro rel. I mean, maybe maybe it's just me, but I feel like yeah, it is it is something that USL needs to kind of pull the trigger on because as Matt you know hinted out, like it, I feel like uh, if they don't, it's going to hurt them in the long run. And I feel like with USL being such a new league, and I mean, it's I know it's been known for other names, but USL as a whole has that pyramid, and they can do it. Uh, you know, I'm always going to point out to people, you know, like, how can you do pro rel with only two leagues and then, you know, the unprofessional one there? I mean, well, they do it in a lot of countries. I mean, they do it in Guatemala. You know, they do it in the uh, Liga Nacional de Guatemala. You know, they, they uh, you know, first division and second division and just go back and forth, back and forth. Uh, so it is a different way. If you like that playoff system, they do a playoff system where the uh, where I think the second second team of the bottom team goes up against the second to last team and then they basically go out at each other and if they lose then well they stay in second division but if they win they replace each other so it is a way of kind of keeping that americanism of like oh we gotta have a playoffs we gotta have that finals uh so yeah i mean a pro rel is definitely necessary to kind of differentiate yourself from mls because god knows you're never gonna see mls say yeah we're gonna do it we're gonna do um pro rel 
If they do pro relegation, it's got to be within their own pyramid, and their own pyramid is, you know, MLS Next Pro. So I don't know how they could do that with like, oh, the Revolution Two just knocked out the Revolution. Now, now you got now you got to support the Revolution Two in first division. So I don't know when they're gonna do that, but yeah, pro rel pro rel is something that I support wholeheartedly because I feel like that's the proper way of football. It's the proper way to get that excitement. It's the proper way to run a soccer team. And and if you and just to add one last thing, I don't know if you uh, follow Matt Doyle, but he put out the soccer regional map uh, recently for all the MLS teams. And when you look at the span of control that those teams have on an influence, there is so much of the country missing, right? And 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 they may see it and globally attach themselves. You know, if you're in Omaha, are you a Sporting Kansas City fan? I don't know. Uh, I wouldn't be a Sporting Kansas City fan in general, but. I will say that when you have these accessibilities to secondary tertiary markets where you can grow a local town club into a hero, something that excites and ex, you know gets the community behind it, that's how you grow the larger game, right? You know, no no league will say they have a responsibility to the USSF to grow talent in in this country, but at the end of the day, we're not going to see any other significant growth if we don't expand into those markets and pro rel and, and those opportunities is probably the best path forward. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll build on to that as someone that grew up in Maine, you know, no one watched the new England revolution in Maine, even though that's the new England team. So I think a team in Portland, Maine, which is uh, supposed to happen, I believe in 2025 in Portland, a league one team. Uh, I think that's going to be very big for soccer in that area because high school soccer is followed. You know, there are fans of uh, international uh, soccer clubs there. So, I think that'll be an overall positive for American soccer to kind of grow into that market as well. Uh, this this 15-minute podcast is turning into 40 minutes very quickly, so I know we're running long. Uh, I do want to give you guys the opportunity, uh, since you follow USL, uh, but let's try to keep it to maybe 30, sec- 30 to 60 seconds. Uh, do you guys uh, want to come on this MLS podcast and have any choice words for Don Garber for ruining the US Open Cup? Is there anything you want to just say to Don Garber? Because he does listen to the show. Anything, anything you want to say, Irvin? Anything you want to say, Matt? Oh, wait, wait, can I go first? Go, go. No, actually, you know what, Matt? You do it first. I got, I got some shit to say. Go, no, no, you do go first. Oh, okay. All right. Well, look, I have a TIFO idea or a banner idea of that I had, and everybody was like, you're psychotic, but I'll help you make it. So it's – I'm not a big fan of Don Garber. He okay. is teasing the t- teasing, teasing the TIFO already. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm not a big fan of Don Garber. I'll, right. I'll say it with – and I'm sorry if this is a family podcast, but fuck that guy. Like, forget this dude. I don't care much for it. You don't, you don't like proper football. No quieres el football. You just care about money, and if you, you care about money, and that's it. And I know that that's, oh, but that's soccer. No, you, you like, he strictly said, I don't even like soccer, yet I'm the commissioner of this thing. Let it go. Let it go. Stop being an asshole. Let it happen. You want you want to, You want to grow the sport. You want to stop being like a, a cash cow because then your your boys Inter Miami are getting smacked by everybody they played in. They're playing against a Saudi team. They're playing everyone. You can't even beat FC Dallas in a goddamn half quarter empty uh, bowl in America. Aquí está Messi. Aquí está Luis Suarez. Acá la mierda. You can't even do that. So you're just you're already failing and you're already making MLS look like a joke. Now I'm not saying USL is better, but at the same time, there's needs to be change. You need to start changing. And I feel like every MLS fan knows that their needs change. Middle fingers to Don Garber. And if you're listening, don't come to Rhode Island. He does. He does listen to every episode. He's a very devoted revolutionary. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, don't come to the 401. <laughs> Stay home. 
All right, Don Don Garber officially banned from the Bryant University. Uh, that was exactly what I was hoping for when I asked that question, Matt. Uh, do you have any similar uh, similar words or anything along that vein that you would like to say at this time? I, I don't think I'll ever be able to be as poetic as Irvin just was. Uh, I will say this though, you know, if I were to if I were to see him in a restaurant, I would just ask him like, why? Like, how dare you? Uh, it doesn't make sense that he's gone and meddled with something as classic as um, American as possibly can be with the open cup. Like it's just something you didn't need to do. You know, I've talked to a lot of players. I've talked to a lot of uh, front office staff members in the MLS actually too. And none of them really understand it because if they just want to play the reserve sides, that's always been the inclination or, or their right to do. It's not about the schedule congestion. It's nothing else. So I, I would definitely ask him. I don't think I'd get as violent as 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 Irvin said, but I, I will also just challenge like I don't know if this is Don. Like I want to make Don the bad guy here, but I, I almost wonder if it's just the owners and, and Don's the puppet that we all acknowledge he is. So Don, my real question is why do you allow yourself to be a puppet by the owners? Like have a spine and defend something that's pure and true in in soccer history with with our country. Like don't go messing that up. It's, if it's not broke, don't fix it. There's a word for that, but I think I should say it. But yeah, well, we've said enough words, but I will say, I like how you said uh, that uh, he's toying with something as American as the U.S. Open Cup. Now we can say Don Garber officially hates America. I think that's a fair statement that we can say. I'll put that on the TIFO. Hell yeah, I'll put that on a TIFO. <laughs> he, he hates soccer and he hates America. That means he hates pie. <laughs> Bastard. That that's very true. Well, hey, uh, let's let's reel it back in. Let's get back to RFC. Um, we're and, and we'll try to wrap this up and, and land this at a somewhat uh, more normal area. But uh, I'll start with you, Irvin. Uh, what do you want our listeners to know about RFC? It could be defiance. It could be about the team. Uh, it could be about anything. Uh, you know, I, I want our listeners to know everything they need to know about RFC. So, uh, what's your message to our listeners? Yeah, I mean, so simple as that. I mean, this is something that I preach all the time when it comes to getting people to be excited about Defiance. It's This is a team centered around the small estate, and it's something that the people here in Rhode Island are going to be excited for. As a, We don't have professional teams here. You know, you could say that, oh, well, we have the Providence Bruins. Well, it, it, it's a sister team. This is a proper, proper team for all of Rhode Island. It's not just – it's not the Pawtucket – FC, it's not Rhode Island, it's not, uh, you know, Providence FC. This is Rhode Island FC, and it's a proper club for our state. And then that's what it is. And I know that there are a lot of people that are going to come from other states to come and visit us, and we welcome that because um, we love, you know, visitors. We love people to come and uh, experience something new. Um, so that, that's what I that's what I like to tell people, you know, like even if you're a Revolution fan and you want to give it a try, by all means, you know, like I. I welcome it. And and for my supporter group, I welcome everybody. We have a lot of people who are Revolution fans still. And then there are others that really didn't care much for the Revolution. They supported other MLS teams, but they, they flocked to Rhode Island for work or for family. And now they are Rhode Island FC fans properly. So it is some it is a team for everybody. It is a team, but it is a team mostly for Rhode Islanders, but it is very open to everybody. And I and I welcome everybody with open arms. We are uh, we're welcoming for our group and we're welcoming as a team. Matt, what's your final words to our listeners? Listen, we're not trying to steal you away. We want to have an exciting competitive product. And, you know, at most, if there was an ask, it's come give us a chance. I, I've been to Revolution Games and I, I love that team. 
um, I'm maybe not so much sold on the event experience, right? It's it's really hard to get jazzed up about a stadium that is never full. And that's not a fault to the stadium or the fans. That's just, it's it's large and that's difficult to maintain. There's an intimate environment that exists when you have a smaller footprint, right? Whether that's the 5,000 stadium option or the 10,000 person stadium that's coming next year. 10,000 can be louder than the average attendance um, that the revolution have right now. And it's a different thing. So I, I'm just excited to see it. I'm excited to experience it. Like I said at the beginning, community in, is what makes the passion of soccer worth it. It's not just the on-field product. And it's just really fun to be able to kind of reclaim some of that and, and get to spend time with other passionate people within the state and the New England area to just watch an exciting an exciting product. So I'm just looking forward to the road ahead. Now, you mentioned the Revolutions environment. I do want to just point out, I, you didn't go to a game with uh, bubble soccer at halftime, did you? Because I know that's really what gets the fan going. No, no. Uh, you know, listen. There's there's gimmicks, and then you know there's other kinds of things. And I don't think bubble soccer. If whoever whoever in marketing thought that was the end all be all solution, you know, I don't know to give them a raise or give them a kick, but uh, I, bubble soccer wasn't going to do it. The the one of my favorite uh, goals. I, I forget it was uh must have been a few years ago 2021 ish but there was like a penalty kick and carlos heel converts it uh but it was right before halftime so everyone in the, the big bubbles was coming out of the locker room and so you see them all line up behind the goal when they score they're all like little yeah they all jump up and down that was uh that was one of the more memorable moments uh a bunch in, of me characters yeah it, it was I, I mean if you don't like that environment you know if it's wrong to like that environment i don't want to be right I'm just gonna I'm not that, I'm not no 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 hey listen I'm not saying I don't love it I'm more jealous that I didn't get invited to participate in it I'm just saying when you when you bank it all on that moment <laughs> to, to build your fan engagement we we need to look inside you know Yeah I have to agree cuz I've been a season ticket holder for the Revs for a long time and I never got invited for bubble soccer what the heck <laughs> You lost me yeah, I, and I've been I've been vouching for a media bubble soccer game for years, and for some reason, uh, my emails just don't get replied to. So, very disappointing. But hey, either way, I, I think the one way I like to put it is, you know, you don't have to be pro revs or pro RFC; you can be pro soccer. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to looking, uh, following Rhode Island FC as a fan. Uh, and uh, Irvin, I'm looking forward to uh, being in the Defiance Discord. I'll be there all season long. And Matt, I'll be looking forward to uh, listening to Raising Anchor all season long. So, I want to thank you guys for joining me today, and again to summarize for our listeners uh go look up the defiance join the defiance go subscribe to raising anchor and don garber is anti-american so thank you guys for joining us and uh that does it here for revolution recap Irvin, you got any, anything else you want to say anything else you want to say about don garber i know you uh, <laughs> uh again just don't come to rhode island or you're gonna get jumped all right don garber longtime revolution recap listener there is your uh warning but for everyone else not named don garber uh go check out rfc at the bryant university uh, kicking off in March. So uh, best of luck to RFC, everyone. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, until next time, go Revs and RFC. All right. And recording, I think. Does this work? For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.